Section 51 of Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World Story, Volume 11, Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. Edited by Eva March Chapin. Section 51. The Boar of the Bay of Fundy. By Eliza B. Chase. As the town, Moncton, runs on both standard and local time, between which there is a difference of three quarters of an hour. It was important to discover by which schedule the boar might be expected, but of course no one knew, a surprising ignorance and indifference prevailing regarding the subject. No one at the station or hotel could enlighten us, and Jim remarked, In the States, anything like that would be stock in trade to the whole town. It would be placarded everywhere, and, in fact, we would be bored to death. Accosting some urchins with the query, When does the boar come in? They look blank, don't know. And as they follow in our wake, one questions the other. I say, what is the boar, anyway? evidently concluding that it is some strange animal in the circus, as they watched bill posters sticking huge gaudy bills on the long fence across the way. Even directions for finding the Petticojack, Petticojack River, which the strange visitant frequents, were so complicated that the most dogged determination and perseverance were necessary to carry out our resolution. Finally, one individual whom we questioned, astounded us with the brilliancy of a sudden inspiration, which caused him to suggest that we should inquire at the post office, and there, at last, we learned definitely the hour at which we must sally forth on our nocturnal expedition. By that time it was raining, but after all our trouble, we resolved, with the insistence inherited from our firm old Quaker ancestors, that nothing should deter us, and that we would haunt the wharves all night if necessary, rather than be baffled or disappointed. Therefore, fortified with repellent garments, we defiantly unfurled umbrellas and sternly took up the line of march to the distant wharf, where the first object which presented itself to view was a small specimen of the Genus Homo, who, like a jack-in-a-box, suddenly appeared from a schooner, which was firmly embedded in the mud forty feet or more below. Jim remarked, it is evident why the directions for finding the river were so muddled. I never saw such a tremendous quantity of wet clay before. The small boy informed us that we were waiting for the boar, too, and were to go out with the tide, and the captain would be down about ten or eleven o'clock. The hours plodded slowly by. Enthusiasm had cooled and died out. But clear grit and obstinacy, as the Yankees say, fortified us, and no one suggested or even thought of giving up the strange quest. We sat on piles of bark and played games, walked as near the dizzy verge of the towering wharf as we dared, with the thought before us, of making clay molds of ourselves in the event of a misstep. And the youthful tar entertained us with specimens of his proficiency in yarn-spinning, evidently thinking us foreigners fair game and remarkably gullible, as we solemnly swallowed his preposterous statements. Finally, he slipped down the cordage and disappeared for a while, 
to rest his conscience which must have been stretched to the utmost and at last long before the witching hour the aspect of affairs grew more encouraging from the south a breeze sprang up the rain stopped the moon shone out and two men the schooner's crew appeared sauntering leisurely along and called to us listen what a profound and unearthly seeming hush pervaded all nature the very water shining placidly beyond the wide expanse of soft clay seemed waiting in expectancy and struggling to our ears from a far distance came a faint suggestion of sound a whisper in the ear of mother earth a moment more and this sound was augmented tenfold then at the curve of the stream just below a flash a sparkle in the clear moonlight another instant and all across the wide river-bed in a mad rush of tremendous rapidity came the wall of water at least four feet in height roaring on and on a great white crested wave reflecting the clear moonlight beyond piling over the first powerful surge came a second one foaming sparkling curling as if an exultant effort to overleap its predecessor and in a second the whole dark mass of seething roaring water had rushed by us and was tearing its way far upstream the vessels which a moment before were stranded and keeled over in abject helplessness now became erect buoyant and saucy their crews appeared with the suddenness of bees from a hive the air filled with sounds of rattling cordage and orders were tossed back and forth in shouts to deck hands the vast moving mass of water covered with silvered wavelets dancing merrily was in itself the greatest contrast to the preceding placidity and all was life and bustle we could believe after this that unwary men and animals are sometimes caught and overpowered in this mighty onslaught indeed i am firmly persuaded that in the spring tides an army like pharaoh's might be overwhelmed with biblical thoroughness end of section fifty one this recording is in the public domain